64 says, uh, Paul was looking forward to this crown. And then he added, comma, and there's a crown for all of us who walk faithfully with Jesus and someday turn for home to be face to face with him. Amen? I mean, that, I hope, pulls you out of your chair right now uh, because you're, in a, uh, you're on a journey. You are following a path. You actually, uh, I'm referring to not just folks in the house, and we have a great gathering today. I think, Krista, you said it well. Um, there's some legit men in this church. And yeah, they're for real people, and they love Jesus. And I'm not just talking about my dad. I'm seeing a bunch of studs in this room who, <laughs> who, uh, who really do care about Jesus. And from there, it filters through them to their people, their wives, and their kids, and this church. So it's really special to be up here today. Um, and for personal reasons, um, I've spent extra time uh, recently remembering my childhood and reflecting on the many um, pieces that make up the way that I was parented. I guess I've done that every Father's Day. Some of Father's Day has now been hijacked by me and my kids uh, make a big deal about me, uh, and Debbie does too. But, you know, I can't help but look back. I had a dad, and um, as I said, he's home with Jesus now. Um, but I, um, when I lost my mother a little over two years ago, and then lost my dad uh, just a little uh, less than two months ago. Uh, both events unleashed for me a flood of memories. I want to stop myself and just tell you, I just returned from the Dominican Republic, and it was not a pleasure trip, it was, though it was fun uh, in some respects, in many respects. It was, uh, I'm a member of the board of directors for Missions Door. I tell you that not to pat me on the back. I tell you that because you all, as part of Grace Point, are connected to two uh, organizations that are mission agencies that are very respected in the world today. One of them's Missions Door, the one that I'm on the direct, uh, board of directors for. The other is World Venture, and combined together, they have a far reach. The reason we went to the Dominican Republic is worth telling you, because you, you'll, you'll be proud. Uh, we, we were at a resort, but the reason we went there and didn't bring all our missionaries home to meet in Denver, which is where the headquarters is, is for a very practical and honorable reason. I, I was blown away. I actually thought, man, this, I'm going to tell my people when I get home. You know what it was? That... The decision was made because most of our, a huge percentage of our missionaries are in poor countries, trying to reach very uh, impoverished people with the gospel, and they themselves, uh, almost to a person, is short of support. They just are living on a shoestring budget. I'm about to pass a plate right now, but I hope this will move in your purse or your wallet to say, wow including Patrick uh, O'Connor, who used to be part of that mission, is now just, you can't nail him to the floor. He's uh, everywhere. And um, he's, he kind of took that thing, uh, go into all nations, seriously. And uh, that's, that's Patrick. But here's the deal. These, these people um, would never be able to come to America 
They don't have passports. Most of them don't have visa uh, capabilities anywhere in uh, North America. It'd be super convenient for us because it, it meant that we didn't have to go to um, the hottest place on planet Earth I've ever been to, <laughs> the Dominican Republic. It was, uh, it was, but you know what? We did it, and we went down there, and we loved on those people, and I told everybody I met, I'm a pastor in Portland, Oregon, and I uh, want you to know we're, we're big. We're high on you people, and um, I had to explain that because they've heard about Portland lately, but anyway, um, <laughs> uh, um, no, I really did. I, I wanted you to know there's, there's uh, r- words being heard uh, that we care, and it's really cool. And um, once again, Victor Almadaris, he and Virgilia um, were very substantially supported are by our church. And they introduced me to their adult daughter, who's now married, and is asking if she can come here in the next few months and present her missionary ministry and seek support from us. Uh, by the way, if you don't know Victor or anything like that, here's what you do need to know. Every single time I've talked to him for a lot of years. He was met, uh, he met the Lord through Patrick O'Connor, one that we all know about. And um, I'll say, how's the mission going? How's it going here in Tegucigalpa and Santa Rosa and Seguatopeque and places like that? How, what, what's going on here? Almost every time there's an apology. He goes, Pastor Steve, we're, we're, um, we're, we, we hope to raise, uh, to, to begin 30 churches this year but we only made it to 25. <laughs> I am so relieved he's never asked me how many we've planted. <laughs> so don't report me to him because I don't have a good answer. It's, it's kind of lame. But anyway, I just want you to know that's the kind of stuff that's happening in faraway places uh, to the glory of God. So um, I want to, with this being Father's Day, um, and the first uh, Father's Day that I don't have my dad, um, I, I was tempted, really, in my message today to just tell you stories and call it good. And uh, you're beautiful people and you would indulge me, but you wanted something deeper than that, I know, and I appreciate that. Um, so um, I want to tell you a couple of quick stories that are true. Uh, like my dad, there was a man somewhere along the way that picked on me. I was a child probably a middle schooler, and uh, he treated me poorly. Um, It wasn't abuse or any of that kind of stuff. It wasn't criminal. But he was kind of rough on me, and I'm not altogether sure why. But um, my dad called him and said some things, uh, controlled Holy Spirit things, but said, back off, Jack. You, You do not have permission to say those things to my son. And I, I happened to hear, he was in another room, he didn't want to do it in front of me, but I'm, like, I'm sitting there going, Dad, right on. Give it to him. Punch him, Dad, punch him. You know, because the middle schoolers haven't been fully controlled by the Holy Spirit yet. So, um, but when, here's another one when, uh, that I'll never forget. When my dad came to, uh, uh, with an invitation to a meeting with the dean of students in my high school, Again, um, I, uh, <clears throat> I discovered something to my horror. The meeting was attended not by my latest uh, altercation with a teacher, but by all of my teachers. 
Um, and they proceeded to tell him uh, how I'm doing in their class, and I think every one of them used the word disruptive. Okay? And uh, my dad's taken all this in, and then he interrupted and asked the dean, how come this is the first time I've heard about this? And, and um, uh, <laughs> the dean's answer got the response I did not expect. Uh, the dean says, actually, we've been sending home letters with Steve. <laughs> Are you on her side or, or what? what's going on here? So, um, so um, I, I paused because I, I'm just kind of processing the, I feared for my life at that moment. I, I thought this could go bad. Um, and then my dad said, with a finger pointed, who sends self-incriminating notes home with the child that's disruptive, as you keep saying, and expects those notes to get home? <sighs> I love you, Dad, so much. <laughs> I'm just there going, Dad, yeah, that's a... And my look went from, as the news came out that I had not, uh, somehow they, I lost them on the way, but, um, <laughs> but as my dad took the mic, so to speak, and said, who does that? And, and, and he wasn't done. He takes out a business card in those days, slides it across to the dean. He says, here's my business card. Call me the next time something like this happens. And I'm thinking... Baby, Dad, you are, you're a stud. This is so good. You're shining today. And then he turned and pointed a finger at me and said, and I will deal with you at home, Steve. <laughs> um, that moment felt to me very much like uh, what we read in our Bibles, the fear of the Lord had fallen on me. And, um, and it fell fast. Um, how many of you have ever, show me your hand, prayed panic prayers? I did. I remember my prayers. Lord, please, please, I don't ask for much, but send a very big earthquake today. <laughs> or I got one better, Jesus. Would you come back today? And I'm pretty sure dad will forget all about this. And... Uh, <laughs> As I said, uh, I've got lots of, I, I seriously have a file that's huge with stories like that. And uh, if, you, if you were told them when my dad was alive, you would have said, how did, you, how did you live with him? I mean, how did you survive? I was that kid. And I tell you that, not proud of it. I tell you this, um, God turned the corner in my life, right? And I tell you that for some of you, and I know your stories, you got a child that's off the rails, and it hurts. And we're having fun with it right now, but it, it hasn't been fun for you uh, for a long time. Um, I mentioned my mother because I have her on my mind as well. Um, uh, she, she was uh, a rock star in my mind. She was that mom that um, really worked uh, miracles. She was uh, absolutely um, my most unconditional fan. And 
You want that. You want a parent in the corner with you. Not that they'll look the other way when you're messing up, but that they're not going to kick you to the curb either. And my mother was that person. Um, one quick story. Uh, she got my, my job back for me when I got fired. Not once, <laughs> but twice. Same place. I was a, uh, it was a service station, Jim Freeway Shell on Market Street in Salem. We, we, my brother and I both worked there for uh, five years. And we had uh, two, it was not a gas station, it was a service station, two stalls that we fixed cars in, and the third stall was a car wash. And part of our job as, you know, just grunts, it was to make sure that the car wash soap was full in the mixer, they called it. And uh, you had to do that, and um, there's a very extraordinary soap made by this Zep company, and I re still remember, and it was bright blue, it was beautiful blue. And... Um, but it was so th it was thicker than um, pouring honey north of the Arctic in Barrows, Alaska, in the dead of winter. You'll just stand there forever and try. So we would take this. It's a huge barrel, 55-gallon barrel, and it, la it laid on its side on top of another barrel. And there's a spigot. We've got things to do out there, pumping gas and things like that. So we would take a jug, a one-gallon jug, and aim well and make sure that it was going to eventually fill that jug. And it did. <laughs> and we both forgot all about it. Sometime later, um, we came whipping around the corner. There's air filters. I had to grab one and we, for a car. And I come around the corner and just about crashed on my head, looking at a sea of blue. And a jug that had been filled to capacity easily an hour earlier. And I'm ta take it in with me, would you? It's like a thousand to one ratio soap to water. <laughs> so I'm thinking, I got to clean this up. Glenn, we got to get this out of here quick. Get a hose. Yep, yep, zep, suds that could be seen from space. <laughs> Just unbelievable. Just, I, I, I don't know, I thought this is the way to do it. We got a high-powered hose, let's just do, what is happening here? And it didn't occur to me before, you could hardly see the gas station with all these. <laughs> um, we were busted and we both got fired. And uh, my mother was the greatest, I was dead to rights, I mean, I, but the greatest defense attorney, and somehow we got our job back. Uh, so I'm going to say I had good parents, uh, <laughs> both my mom and my dad, and I want you to know why I bring my mom up on Father's Day, because we were in Australia and missed Mother's Day. Before I left Fullerton, Swindoll gave me this counsel, don't blow it on Mother's Day. And I remember living in fear of most of you moms for a long time. Um, and one of the ways you could blow it is not to speak on Mother's Day. That's kind of a miss. And I thought, you know, I don't know how I'm going to honor moms. And then it occurred to me, I have a chance to do that today. Moms, actually dads and moms. 
And that's what I'm going to do for the next 20 minutes, okay? And, um, and my, I, I, I'm excited because um, I'm combining something that actually the Bible combines. You're going to like this. You really, you really are. Um, my Mother's Day message with my Father's Day message, and you've seen the series title and Leave the Results of God. So allow me a couple of flexibilities, and you'll see why it's an appropriate request on my part when we get to the text. Allow me the thought that we can take father and mother and replace it with parents. Okay? How many are okay with that? All right? Good. Because that's what they are. They're parents. Um, and in light of our summer series that I've titled uh, leave the Resu- and Leave the Results to God, today is parenting that leaves the results to God. Would you please write down a resource that you or somebody you know needs? I promise you. And I don't care if your kids are adult all the way adult, like older adults. You need this. It's called losing control and liking it. A manifesto for Christian parenting, losing control and liking it by Tim Safford. I'm sorry, was it Stafford? Look it up. Is it on there? Okay, I'm sorry. I I actually prepared this sermon before I was gone last week. So, Um, great. You've got the title. Get one. I bought boxes. We've spent a lot of church money giving out this book because it's huge. Okay? If you're a parent of little people, it's huge. If you're a parent of teenager, huger. If it's an adult, hugest. Okay? So get it, and um, I don't think you'll regret it. So there's a reason, uh, maybe many reasons for separate days to honor moms and dads. One little person offered an explanation when asked, um, why the difference, and, or what's the difference? And he said, it's just like Father's Day is just like Mother's Day, only you don't spend as much. It's kind of fun. Um, give us a steak and we're fine, right? So, um, The Bible co- uh, combines moms and dads to, uh, in its counsel to uh, be good parents. So I'm turning to Ephesians in the New Testament, and I'd like you to turn there as well this morning. Um, and uh, let's call it parents. You'll see why now when we open the text. Stop off uh, on your way to chapter Six, I want you to stop off for just a second because I want to tell you about the Apostle Paul who uh, actually started this church. The Holy Spirit started it through him on his second missionary journey that we've talked about already in Acts. And then his third journey, which was a year later, he actually stopped and unpacked his bags for three years. And while there in his fourth, in this, this third journey, he built a lot of rich truth into the brand new believers in Ephesus. It's a place in the Aegean Sea. You can go there, look it on a map, and you'll see what I'm talking about. But the Apostle Paul was explaining in this letter, six-chapter letter, we'll be in chapter six in a sec. Um, He's explaining the implications of the gospel. In chapter four, the reason I had you stop there, because I want you to, uh, I'm sorry, I said chapter four. It's verse four of chapter two. Look look across the page. But because of his great love for us, God, 
who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. So Paul is explaining how God in love, don't miss verse 4, you miss why did God do this? What would make him send his son for people like the high school kid I described a little bit ago. It's because he loves us. So in love, um, he, he sent Jesus to save, and here's the deal, not good people. That's why he says in verse 5, he, 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 he saved dead people. Um, it's popular to say, yeah, my child's a little off the path. No, your child's worse than you think. 100% of every one of our children were born depraved. That means with sin. And they were born that way, and they got really good at that. Some kept it quiet. They didn't show their true colors. And we were faked out. We thought, oh, man, they are just that sinless person. The closest to that I've ever come is my wife, Debbie, and I have told you I've had to teach her how to sin. So it's just a problem here, right? So here's the deal. What I'm saying is he loved us so much that he sent Jesus to in grace. And grace basically is a, a favorite word in the gospel. It's in our name. Why? Because it's God doing something you didn't deserve. There will be no transaction in heaven. Not one check will be torn from a checkbook and handed to Jesus when we arrive in heaven. Not one. You would never think of it. Because you, you need more than money can buy. You're spiritually dead and you need life. So um, he saved us. And then the rest of the book, really chapters 3, uh, 4, 5, and 6, are all about implications of him changing our lives. And my favorite place is to have you flip the page and look at chapter 5. And look at verse 8. You were once darkness... But now you are light in the Lord. Not some of you, all of you. All of us. So live as children of light. Hopefully you're asking the question, what's that look like? He tells us. The fruit of light consists of stuff like goodness, righteousness, and truth. And my favorite seven words in this whole passage come up next. Verse 10. And find out what pleases the Lord. He repeats it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. Find out what makes God smile. He, he gave you a gift of grace, salvation, when you were dead. And now he's given us counsel on how to make him, him smile. And then he applies all that I've just said to various relationships. If you haven't looked up husbands and wives lately, finish chapter 5 and you'll get a ton of cool stuff. This isn't a message about marriage today. It could be, but you make it a message if you need some counsel, wives, about what it looks like to be a wife led by God in a way that pleases God, okay? The husbands, same way. If you're kind of a little lost right now, this Father's Day, you don't deserve it, whatever, that's the place to go. And then if you jump down to verse 5 in chapter 6, so we're at the last chapter, so Chapter 5, chapter 5 ends with husbands and wives. The section we're going to talk about now, parents and kids. 
And then chapter 6, verse 5, talks about something most of us do or have done for a very long time. Employers and employees. How to be a good employee that makes Jesus smile. I'll tell you something, the standard's higher than some of our workplaces just putting up with mediocrity all, the, all day long. No, take your game up. Stand out, not because you're trying to get a raise, but because you're trying to get this raise from Jesus. So he looks at you and says, baby, you're nailing it. You're, you're the employee I wanted you to be. And bosses, uh, there's counsel there too. So if you need some uh, sort of a prompting on how to be a good boss, you're kind of disgusted by the choices you have today, take it to the Bible. God will give you great counsel. This is all in verses 5 to 9. So, um, our topic today, children and their parents. Look on with me and let's read these uh, five verses. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, begins verse six, or chapter 6. For this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And then look, verse 5, it just picks up on employees and employee, slaves and owners. Okay? So, Paul begins with counsel here to children. You know why I'm glad for that? How many, raise your hand if you're a child. Not a trick question, y'all. It took two of them to make you, okay? You are their child. They may both be gone, but you never lose the identity. You're somebody's kid. Sorry, child. You are. So I'm glad he begins there, and here's the principle you need to write down. Children, that's his starting point, children, verse 1. Choose what is right. So there's something for us to do as children, no matter the age. You'll see why I say that in a minute. Even his counsel here is obey your parents. That's how the verse goes. Children, obey your parents. So um, that counsel's good in any time, especially um, when challenging, resisting, even resenting authority is commonplace in our world. Pick it up, your boss teacher, uh, police, um, parents. We don't just uh, politely dismiss their counsel. We go, don't, don't, look, I'm grown up. I don't need to hear it. Right? Some of you are saying, oh yeah, but there's limits to that. Okay, there is. I'll share one. But the limits aren't extensive at all. Counsel here is everybody that's a child fits verse 1. Now stay with me. Um, Paul tells Timothy in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. That's the last chapter he ever wrote. And he's describing, I'm sorry, chapter 3. He's describing terrible times to come. Chapter 3, in the first five verses, it's 
You'll read it out of the headlines if you pick up your Bible today and read. Realize this, in the last days, terrible times will come. And then Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, lists, click, 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 19 attributes of the last days. Here's your challenge. Read that today, and you tell me that's not the world we live in today. Okay? But in, chap- in verse 2, he's got 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5. In verse 2, guess what finds its way into that list of terrible things? Disobedient to parents. You don't have to take their input. A lot of countries say parents have zero rights. Somehow you, because you're a parent, you don't know what you're doing? I would argue just the opposite. Um, And and we're told here in the same passage, just look on, verse 2, we're told, um, because according to God, it's the right thing to do. So obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And... I want to warn you, don't get stuck on the phrase in verse 1, in the Lord. People have, and they typically get stuck on it until they dismiss or eliminate it from the discussion. Well, Steve, if you knew my parents, they're not of the Lord. Let me give you two quick uh, interpretations of this. One is... um, in the Lord has been translated, obey your parents. Actually, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. It's allowed in this setting. Or a second interpretation of it, obey your parents who belong to the Lord. Now you're getting really close to the exemption in your mind. If you're thinking, yep, there it is, I've got an exception. I don't have good parents, Steve. I'm not arguing that. But, listen to this. Um, (laughs) Obey your parents who belong to the Lord is a limiter. Obey your parents, period, is inclusive. Hold on. Uh, Some people have said... um, This only applies, Steve, don't you realize, to young children. Remember, age of accountability. If I had time, I would say, here's my Bible. You tell me a single verse where that's taught in God's Word. It is not. Age of accountability? I've been in so many conversations with people that say, hey, man, I'm past the age of accountability. I am not going to obey my parents. Um, It is not a biblical concept. It isn't. We need to adjust our thinking. Talk to me afterwards, and we'll have a great conversation. But most agree that the command here, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, is not only sound, but serious counsel. And it's to be followed, provided parents are not contrary to God. You say, well, that's an exception. It is. It's the only one I know in the Bible. And it has nothing to do with age of accountability. It has to do if your parents are giving you bogus counsel that's not supported in the Bible. Like Acts chapter 4 and 5, twice there, the apostles are brought in, they're told to shut up, 
Quit telling people about Jesus. You're upsetting the place. Jerusalem's a mess because of you. So back down, they were told. You remember Peter and, and the, the apostles' response? Hey, you guys get to choose what you're going to do to us, but we cannot. We're going to make a decision here. We're not going to obey you. That's, a govern- that's an authority, a religious authority. We're going to obey God. Acts chapter 4, verse 9, and chapter um, or 19 and chapter 5, verse 29 says the same exact thing. Okay. So from simple obedience, which is what that verse is saying, or compliance, children are called to take their game up to a higher and more far-reaching requirement that you absolutely never outgrow. And that's in verses 2 and 3. Honor your parents. To reverently respect and venerate your parents. I know that's hard for some. That doesn't mean we get a pass on it. It's really quiet in here, which tells me this is striking a chord, and I understand that. I, I, can, I, I welcome our follow-up conversation. I'm not putting you under somebody's judgment or control or abuse. I'm not saying that. The Bible is giving us permanent counsel here to honor your father and mother, and it gives the strength of this counsel as a command, it's a requirement, and it comes with a reward. All right, you with me? So look back at it, honor your father and mother, first commandment with a promise. It's not the first commandment of the 10. It's the first one with a promise in it, okay? So we're to honor our father and mother, and notice we're told in verse 3 two reasons why. So it will go well with and for you. Stay with me, okay? Don't, don't get distracted by anything. The quality of your life, is we're being told here, will be enhanced if your purpose is to honor your parents. And as we honor our parents, things like the uh, outflowing of God's favor results in our lives. You say, well, they, they don't deserve it. I, again, I, I understand that. I, I do. That's not my story. But I've talked to people that that is their story. So there's nothing here to put you in, under bondage. There's here to say, hopefully I'm saying it well enough that you're going, I'm inspired. I got to figure out how I can honor my parents. Because I, can I say, I want the flow of God's blessing in my life and through my life. Everybody okay on that one? So that's the, it'll go well with you. Notice secondly in verse 3, and you will live long and prosper. And it's not Star Trek, okay? It's not that, all right? It's something way deeper than that. In fact, it's an actual priestly prayer that we fell in love with a song during the pandemic. Numbers chapter 6, the Lord bless you and keep you. We used to just sing that and our souls were bathed in its truth. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you what? And give you peace. We could go places on this one. It's, it's a beautiful song. So before we're finished, okay, that's the promise. 
uh, you'll, it'll go well with you, and you will live a long life. Um, I want us to flip the focus for the finish here to fathers and their great influence and impact on our lives. Sometimes for good, I've said that, sometimes for bad, for even evil. By the way, the context, I've told you this, and it, here's the reveal, okay? The context here allows for including mothers in the counsel that begins in verse 4, begins and ends in verse 4. In fact, I've got my Bible open to, to the New International Version, the NIV. And if you'll look at yours, you too have a letter next to fathers that begins verse 4. Mine's the letter D, and it takes you to a footnote at the bottom of the page. And what's the footnote say? Parents. A lot of translations make that adjustment. It's not a reach. It's not saying, hey, this only applies and couldn't possibly be needed counsel for moms. And that's rubbish theology. I know I could tell stories. I would never tell them. But I can tell you stories of dads and moms that exasperated their children. I stood at a place I couldn't believe my ears. I had to look over because this mother recently was dressing down her, I'll say, two-year-old child with cursing, and it, it had nothing to do with love. It, it, was, it was a rip. It was like, wow, we're giving that child identity words at a very young age. What's the chances? How's that child honor mom and dad? Okay, now you're set. Um, in a single verse, two pieces of wise counsel meet. Verse 4, let me read it again. Parents, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. This is how I'm going to say, say it, okay? You can write this down. This counsel is practice imperfect parenting. Okay? That's how, that's how it starts. That leaves the results to God. That's the resolve of some pain in lots of parents' hearts. You go, man, I wish I could play it back. So do I. There's, I'm not perfect. There are moments I'm thinking, I would take those words back. I would like to undo what I did. Anybody feel that way? Just me. Of course you do, because you're imperfect, just like me. So we've got that in common. So, um, by the way, uh, um, James Dobson, anybody read Dobson? Yeah, wonderful, right? Anybody read Parenting Isn't for Cowards? Yeah, we have. Okay? And because we were getting scared. Not a child in particular. We were just in over our heads. There's only two of us and three of them. I mean, let's do the math, you know? So, so I remember the opening of this book, and he talks about a couple who doesn't matter who they are, but they were perfect parents. They were amazing parents. So amazing that their story got out, and people started to um, ask for them to come and speak. Like on a Father's Day, they might be uh, invited to come and speak on your amazing wisdom and success. What's your story? And, and they did it. I don't know. I'm not going to impugn them. Maybe it got to their head. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they were humbled by it. But they, they were on the circuit. Okay? And they did it for a while. And it was all good. And people just, man, when they're done, they're like, would you sign this book? You're amazing, man. 
You've got it going. And then the Lord gave them a fourth child. <laughs> Let's call him Steve. <laughs> Dobson called him a little tornado. And guess what happened? They stopped taking speaking assignments. Because they did it well for three, and they could not find a way to do it well on the little tornado. Why do we get sick humor and pleasure out of that? Because we all, don't name your tornado out loud right now. I don't need that. We'll just go with Steve, okay? So, um, so what, we're, what are we told here? Well, first of all, negatively, don't provoke your people. Don't provoke, that's what exasperate means. You say, what's provoking? It's needling them. It's riding your kid. It's, it's, it's the helicopter parent. Run out of gas on that one, would you? I'm not saying let them go to the dark side. But I'm saying that you're helping them want to go there. Because, because it's too much. And I know some parents that are just, man, my child is a teenager. They've never had sugar. <laughs> they haven't even had coffee. Obviously, that's not true with me, okay? So just enough. Do you get what I mean? It's like quit writing them. When we do that, we risk taking the wind out of their sails. How many children have to tell me somewhere along the way, I can't do it. I cannot live up to their crazy expectations. It leaves them feeling like they, they can't be good enough. Keep in mind, this is a clear potential parents have. Or folks, look at verse 4 again. It would not be in your Bible or mine. You don't waste words in the Bible and say, hey, don't provoke your kids unless it's a real potential. Not just in dads, but in moms. I do it more than Debbie, but for the record, but you get what I mean? So, um, and there are lots of ways we do it. Here's a quick list. Frequent blaming. You know, some parents are just like blaming their child for global warming. I mean, really? It's like, <laughs> give them a break. <laughs> um, here's one. Do you just seldom praising them? Like I saw that mother do, sarcasm and ridicule. The child complied. She was two. And I just thought, man, why do I have the urge to slap you and say I'm not sorry? Sorry, that's my dark side. You, you do need. Um, here's one, inconsistency, partiality as a parent. You know, some, you, you know a parent that does that? You got a fave? Guess what? Your people know you've got a fave. Um, or basing your treatment on your people's performance only. This is really special stuff. When our child performs well, sometimes it's irresistible to want to praise them. And, that, and I get that. But when they don't perform well, we can do just the opposite and be harsh or just Silent. Um, a warning. Be careful, parents. 
You're loaded with octane. You have power. Humongous power. I have more power than I'm comfortable with as a parent. So know your power. I told you about my brother and I. My sister, I don't think she ever sinned. So, um, but my brother and I made up for her. And, um, and, but we were very different people. And I could see my brother like doing something that he's going to get corrected for. And my dad would say, or my mother would say, Glenn, see this face? Watch my face now. Glenn. <laughs> you know what Glenn did? What? <laughs> and it was over. He stepped away from the power socket or something. I don't know. <laughs> and then, and then, my parents would see me about to do something wrong. And they'd go, Steve? And I'd go, what? I'm not making this stuff up. My dad's gone, so he can't verify it, but it's true. And here's the deal. They gave me the same look that they gave Glenn, and it didn't work at all. And I, um, actually, which explains why I usually got more than the look. <laughs> Just saying. Okay. So don't exasperate your children parents. Um, it makes them want to give up. And along the way, throw up. It's not cool. Instead, here's the positive, and I love the Bible. It, it, it gives us good. Look how verse 4 ends. Instead, he says, that means don't beat them up. Instead, praise them. Build them up. Bring them up. Two ways, in the training and instruction of the Lord takes careful nurture, daily nurture, to mature our kids. And I'm going to bring a word in that I haven't said all morning. And grandkids. You are a huge player in all this, grandparents. Um, two ways are noted. Training, that's the focus of correction. That's the word there. Um, bring them up in the training. The word is correction. It's paideia. It's a, it's a, hey, straighten out. Straighten up. S stop doing that. And by the way, it's the same word that's used in Hebrews 12, which we all know about, which talks about God's discipline. And no one likes it when God does that. Right? So he backs off and says, man, I don't want to upset you. <laughs> no. He says, I want to correct you. And he even tells us why. Because I love you so much, I would stand in front of a train for you or take a bullet for you. I don't care what it is. That's what God's saying. And so we need to train our kids in a similar way. Um, but don't go too far. Correct them, but parenting does not require you to use a cannon to kill a mosquito. It just doesn't. So don't go, don't go too far. Again, realize your power. And then finally, instructions. You see that verse ends, and instruction of the Lord. This is verbal instruction and warning. Where you talk with them rather than talk to them. You know the difference? It's weird, because I'm up here right now, and I'm talking to you, 
But I hope you're going to leave here and go, man, I could breathe. I didn't feel like he was beating me up. And if, if you don't feel that way, don't tell me I'm trying, okay? I mean, I really don't want to beat you up any more than I would want to be beat up if I'm struggling with how things have gone. Um, more time, I think, discussing and less demanding. Nothing, you, you know, you, you use words that are unconditional words, like, you know something? Nothing you could, have you said to your child, nothing you could succeed at would make me love you more. Have you said that? Unless they won the lottery and then they shared the loot with you. You might say that one, but <laughs> the flip side, um, nothing you fail at, I want you to know, will cause me to feel any less love for you. Isn't that good? Great godly instruction for parenting carried out by us. Imperfect people, human to the core, human parents who want to parent well, but I'll just be the first to confess, have fallen short. Maybe not constantly, but enough to remind you, man, um, I'm in over my head. I need help. And you know what? The Holy Spirit's called the helper. I'd like you to bow your heads. We're going to sing a great, great song. And it... um, It has words that say, I've known you as a father, and I know you as a friend. I just love that. I would say that was true of me and my dad for sure, but I I would say it was true of my mom. I love you as a mother, but you're an ever-present helper in times of trouble, Mom. Thank you. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Mom and Dad, you are, by sovereign design, you're the parent, the primary source for your child and your grandchild's Christian education. It's true. You don't need a degree to do it either. You don't. But you will need help. Aren't you glad there's help? That the Holy Spirit doesn't just watch you flounder and struggle. Ask Him to grow you up. That's the starting point as a parent or grandparent. Grow me up, God. Help me to be adequate to this task and then help me to grow my people to bring you glory. I've known you. I've loved you as a father. And I love you as a friend. Help me to be that kind of dad. Help Debbie to be that kind of mom. We want it like everybody. So, you're good to us, God. And you chose parents to be a big part of that. So we're going to sing to you now. Tell you we love you.